Greetings, Docalos. Welcome to the Documenteers, the greatest podcast about documentaries in the universe. Tell your friends. I'm your main host, Bob Sham, and each week myself and an enthusiast discuss a different documentary and rate it with our very own Herzog rating. Thank you so much for being with us. We hope you enjoy what we're doing here because today we lay it out for a relevant and much discussed documentary by HBO and the big time director. Alex Gibney. In this cautionary tale of Silicon Valley hubris in the film The Inventor, subtitled Out for Blood in Silicon Valley, Stuart joins me in this episode and we break this tale down. Stick it to the man and change the world. Maybe not that last part, but I do find the issues in this fascinating story to be layered and plentiful. Let me just say thank you to those who have done Apple podcast reviews and sent us some very nice emails and have interacted with us on Instagram, our only social network. I don't like social media very much in case you haven't noticed. You can find us on Instagram if you want to find us anywhere other than our website or email. It seemed like it took a while to get feedback and recommendations and now it's all starting to happen more consistently and we really appreciate all of those who listen. Even if this is your first time, we appreciate it. I don't want to throw around the word hero too loosely, but you're our hero. All of you. We do bank our episodes around a month ahead of time if we can help it. Maybe give some of those recommendations a little time to come to fruition. In the meantime, thanks for being you. Don't ever change. Next week on the show, though, knock down the next 30 for 30 on the docket. And it's all about the origins and success of fantasy sports. From rotisserie league to a billion dollar industry, we discuss the by proxy sport game that makes us all act like we know what we're talking about. And Lucas Jansen and Adam Curlin's ESPN 30 for 30, silly little game. I happen to be the current champion in the drinking draft league that Drew started up years ago. I got to remember to rub that in his face more. All that and more next week, right here on The Documenteers. Pre-show music clip credits that you can hear within this very episode include Pup Up the Jam by Technotronic, that song is still a banger after all these years. A clip of the song All Your Way by the band Morphine. Rest in peace, Mark Sandman. A little instrumental of Cisco's thong song. Uh, we've played that a few times before. A little bit of the song Walk on Water by the band 30 Seconds to Mars. A band I've heard nothing from until I edited this episode. I gotta say, this modern anthemic pop rock that's been going on the last few years. Not my cup of tea. That's just me. And finally, a little bit of the song You Can't Touch This by MC Hammer to lay this episode to rest. What fun! I also want to point out a few things regarding this episode. The stock-picking cat I mentioned is real, and his name is Orlando. The behavioral psychologist who we forgot to name is Dan Ariely, or Ariely. A lot of footage in this film is from commercials for Theranos shot by Errol Morris, and I'm fully aware that Yoda's name is pronounced Yoda and not Yodo. Acting stupid is kind of a part of our humor here on the Documenteers, but there are plenty of times where we actually are stupid. I guess I can understand if it's hard to tell. Shout out to that person who wanted to make sure that Gerald Fogel wasn't actually our hero after listening to our Super Size Me episode. That about does it. Let's get into this Theranos shit. It's about to get bloody. DocumenteersPodcast.com is our website. Five stars and a nice review on Apple Podcasts is a big help for our show and helps others find us. Please do that if you haven't done so already. We're pretty much only on Instagram. If you have one of those, find us out. 
If you don't have an Instagram, don't stress it, friend. You're doing just fine. And most importantly, keep on docking. Here is a motion picture film. A thousand feet. 16,000 separate photographs. Let's tidy up this tangle of film by putting it on a reel. In the year 2025, what's the thing you're most certain about? More people will have access to their own health information. What do you dream for something in 2025? That less people have to say goodbye too soon to people they love. That's great. Um, can you tell us a secret? I don't have many secrets. I'm... The jams. Why wow, your feet are pumping. If this crowd is jumping, pump it up a little more. Pump that blood with a. What's that guy uh, that looks that that's from the '80s? It looks like uh, Jack Nicholson or talks like him. Uh, I got, almost said Keanu. No, it's uh, if you had an ass, man. <laughs> Christian Slater. Yeah, yeah. He is Christian Slater, man. You ever see that movie? Pump up the volume. Yeah, long time ago. Remember he's got that, uh, what's his name when he's a DJ? I can't remember. Angela used to be in love with him. Harry Hands or Hard Harry. She happy, happy Harry Hard On. Happy Harry Hard On. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. That's like you, man. I'm yeah, happy Harry Hard On. Pumping up the volume for the listeners, you know, secret, like underground kind of show. Right? We're here That's to pump up the volume on some documentaries. Like speaking truth about Speaking truth to about, power about the world, like giving voice to the voiceless. We'll we'll be streak streaking truth <laughs> to a streak lot of streaking truth. We'll be streaking truth to a lot of power today. I think streaking truth. Yeah. How did Jack Nicholson avoid the whole Me Too thing? Because it was his hot tub that Roman Polanski did all that bad stuff in. Was it? Yeah, it was his hot tub. Surely he he wasn't there though. And um. Was he? And Angelica Houston was like hanging out in the house, apparently, when it was happened. Was it he, Charlie Manson, too? Or am I, because they look a lot alike. I bet they bumped elbows. Charlie Manson, Jack Nicholson, same person. That's the theory. That's my new theory. <laughs> Come up with a lot of theories on this podcast. Most of them have bared out weight, I'd say. Well, they say Charles Manson died, but what if Jack Nicholson died in his stead? And who we think is Jack Nicholson? It's just Charles Manson walking around. What? Stuart, welcome back to the show. We're talking about a movie. This is our first Alex Gibney movie. We've we've mentioned the we've Gib. we've thrown the Gibbs name around here and there, but this is the first time we're we're uh, hoisting up a Gibbs movie. We call him the Gib. We are talking about the HBO original, The Inventor. Subtitled Out for Blood in Silicon Valley. The Inventor. We're getting to the point where like everyone's starting to request things that uh that we're getting a lot more requests lately. And this is definitely a request, multiple requested one, but also one everyone's talking about. So we'll definitely 
always try to get to the ones everyone talks about. So, but yeah, this is about a lady named Elizabeth Holmes. Holmes. Describe Elizabeth Holmes. Elizabeth Holmes is a inventor. Oh, you're he's doing an Elizabeth Holmes impression. Right no, this now. is my this is my normal it voice. Is, that is not. This is how I normally talk with these wide eyes. I noticed you're wearing black turtlenecks. You don't usually do that. I learned it from uh, my favorite uh, inventor, Steve Wozniak. This is how we. In, this is how at Theranos we invent. Um, we invent a uh, tiny <laughs> <laughs> nano. Uh... Nano. What are the nanotainers? Nanotainers. Um, what? What? It all started when I was taking my lunch to work, and I noticed that uh, a, a a container. I kept my food in a container, and I thought, what if you put blood in a container? A blood container. Well, I didn't expect Elizabeth Holmes to be here today. Welcome, Elizabeth Holmes. Thank you. I hope this doesn't offend you, but I want to do an impression of you now, if that's Please, okay. Please, I really appreciate that. Is this like Silence of the Lambs, man? You sound like this guy. Yeah, maybe she's just really into Silence of the Lambs. I heard that she manufactured that voice. It doesn't touch bait. There's like also a popular podcast out there about Elizabeth Holmes, and it states, I forget what it's called. But people only need to listen to this podcast, at least first, <laughs> and then go to all the other ones after you. Yeah, I don't know. Don't check out the other podcasts. Yeah, yeah, don't worry about it. But it said that she manufactured that voice at a certain point, and her Steve Jobs obsession is why really? she's wearing, like, the turtlenecks and shit. And she claims in the movie that she has been wearing turtlenecks since she was seven, but we see pictures of her throughout her childhood, and she's not wearing turtlenecks. Yeah, what's up with that? Okay, I gotta call BS. You're gonna be calling it all day in this movie. <laughs> a mountain of BS here. Look, I know you're a big deal on Silicon Valley, out in Silicon Valley, but I call BS. Oh, snap! I told We told you we were gonna bring uh, truth to power. Right. We're gonna streak truth to power. Keanu Slater. Christian Reeves. Well, a lot of the footage we see interviews of Elizabeth Holmes straight on with a stark white background, which seems to bring out her gigantic eyes even further. Like you can see the the capillaries in her eyes. Her eyes, never, she doesn't blink. This is a person who has decided to be someone very specific and has that will to be that. And you can only have that will if at some point you really hated who you were in your life. When we did the the Ted Bundy tapes, there's a part where Ted Bundy in his interviews talks about how when he goes into college, he would, no one really he was kind of an awkward kid growing up, but when he went into college, he had this facade that he wanted to be and he became something that he wanted to be because he was almost a blank slate in terms of what he truly wanted. And Elizabeth Holmes has that vibe. Like, she just decided she wanted to be a certain way. It seemed like she manufactured a persona. If you're not a sincere person, it's probably very easy to, like, just carry that persona forward. Because you and I, look, let's be real. We're a couple of weirdos. We can probably, like, do an act, but we're going to get really tired. It's going to show some cracks because right. we're cause we're not sociopaths, right? We're, we're people who, uh, who strive for sincerity and we uh, and we deflect a lot with humor, but we all want to be genuine people, right? And it, it it's and that's a lot harder for us to just kind of 
indefinitely carry your persona. When I do like an act for some kind of performance, I often have to kind of always build that up. It takes me a while to get into the flow of it because it's just very hard, you know. But Elizabeth Holmes, she decided, I want to be this deep voice talking lady who never blinks and wears turtlenecks all the time like her hero Steve Jobs. It's Wozniak, actually. Who is Steve Wozniak? The Woz, man. Is that Jerry Springer's bodyguard? That name sounds familiar. He's the actual co-founder of Apple. That's it. That's why. That's why. I know. Oh, okay. Look, we are not. We're not Silicon Valley. He's the less photogenic. Alumni. He's the less photogenic Steve Jobs. Steve Jobs. This documentary hits notes on a lot of things that maybe longtime listeners have heard me talk about. Like, there's a list of things too: the gilded nature of society, the hubris of the upper crust, right? Uh, layman presumptions upon science, skipping the process of science to try to get to uh, what you want. The illusion of singular greatness, this idea that one person does everything. Medical distrust, overall medical distrust within the field. And there's good reasons for that existing. That kind of leads also, it's married into the uh, presumptions of scientific fact. And inspiration porn culture. Meaning, Hmm. there's this, notice on social media, that there's there's just a deluge of people who are self-describing themselves as people who are out to inspire other people. And I think there's this thing where people think that if they are inspiring, that they're impossible to criticize as long as they're being inspiring or making claims of inspiration. I only really mess with the Instagram on social media for the documentaries. I get a lot of people who will follow me and they describe themselves, describes themselves as life coaches. Like they... Like they have this goal, whatever the fuck that means. And they, they have this goal that they want to inspire others. That's a good way to get me to not follow you back. I've got nothing against inspiration, but I think inspiration works best when it comes naturally. Like when you see like a piece of art or a good movie, something that kind of takes you by surprise. Yeah, or a good podcast episode. But when people are like actively trying to inspire you, it just really turns me off. And I find it very annoying. I feel like that inspiration porn, that's what I call it, inspiration porn, is a shield for people to mask their own bullshit. And sometimes we, sometimes people who are moral, we think of people like this, like like they know that they're wrong, like that they know that they're evil. But the truth is they think they're the winners. They think they're the heroes. And that's the problem. And I think people who are moral kind of make that mistake sometimes when they look at people who are wrecking shit, you know? And in Elizabeth's case, maybe she thought she could eventually solve all the problems you think that she, she'd created. Yeah, I think there's a part of her that thought that, but she also wanted success. And history reinforces that idea. If you look at, if you look at history with that rose-tinted view, you know, you see it happen. And it's just a matter of uh, having those around you that want you to succeed making it happen i mean just look look at how we look at uh thomas edison well that's a good example because she calls this device in which is supposed to analyze a drop of blood in minutes as she claims she calls this boxy edison she obviously was inspired by thomas edison but thomas edison stole like most of his bullshit he didn't even invent the motion picture the lumiere brothers were actually before thomas edison and he was like right behind them, but they put out early films. Yeah, he was a master at getting patents. Yeah, and he was he was like a good businessman and good at PR as well. And I think when we are talking about 
that and that's where that notion of history comes from sometimes when we talk about history we skip over the parts where the people who accomplish things we're grinding shit out for years and years and years to make something happen. We have a bad habit of skipping the work part. And I think that leads into this narrative that people singularly accomplish things, but no one singularly accomplishes things. You need people around you to make things work. And our, our society, we live in this very capitalistic society and it feeds into that, but you're nothing without people one, like working for you or buying your goods. So this notion that like it's all you, it doesn't make sense because if it was all you, capitalism by its nature can't function under one person. It needs people buying into it and it needs like workers and cogs to make this flow. Yeah, why are we, why do we prop up this singular great narrative? There, Steve Jobs, he didn't code. He wasn't a coder. He, you know what Steve Jobs is good at? marketing he was a marketing master that was his talent he would point at something to be like i want that to be a uh, bright blue i want that this keyboard that we've uh, used for years uh, change it around completely like it's silver but the people who are made that shit work they're the unsung heroes of this shit the people who are grinding it out because they're nerdy they're awkward they're not like they can't get in front of the camera and explain technology and like a in a way that the layman can understand but but steve jobs on his fucking turtleneck can give a good ted talk or a speech and or something at a convention and then he gets all the credit for something that took hundreds of people to accomplish but i think elizabeth holmes understands that people prop that shit up she instinctively knew how to manipulate that i get you Are you with me here i get it Stanford Research Park in Silicon Valley. Alumni, Steve Jobs, Steve Handjobs, <laughs> Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, maybe you've heard of him. Has anyone congratulated him on joining the Illuminati? No. Congratulations, Mark Zuckerberg. And we see uh, images of a company called Theranos, and it employed 800 people. This company was once worth over $10 billion and uh. is now worth... Less than nothing. Elizabeth has a story about an uncle. Right. Her uncle. She. This is a story she'd repeat over and over again. I think at some points she would say he had skin cancer. And other times she said he had brain cancer. Or maybe that cancer was spreading. Something happened where he got treatable cancer, but it just... She, he didn't, he didn't get the information in he time. He didn't get the information in time. He was diagnosed one day with skin cancer, which all of a sudden was brain cancer and in his bones. He didn't live to see his son grow up, and I never got to say goodbye. And she didn't get to say goodbye to her uncle. So she had this idea, like, you know, we all have ideas. You and I, we have ideas all the time. But Elizabeth, born, born from a privileged background too. Her grandfather was a big investor guy. Wasn't he invested in like, Enron or somehow connected to Enron? It didn't go into much details about her grandfather, but it seemed like rich people and corporate CEOs were very impressed that no, she that's was- her dad. Her dad had been a VP at Enron. Oh. This, isn't Alex Gibney got another movie about Enron? Yeah. <laughs> it was a big one. This is a good topic for Alex Gibney. But Elizabeth wants to develop technology that can give a- You know how when you give blood, they have to take like a significant amount. They got to fill up this- vile right I'm, I'm sure you've given blood are, are you scared of needles Stuart? how are you on needles 
I'm scared of them. You are? Like, it's, it's a common fear. I'm not. I was a fairly sick kid growing up, and I got shots a lot, so I learned not to be scared of them. But are you legitimately scared of needles? I was always absolutely terrified of, of giving blood. It's the only thing in my life I've ever been scared of. I mean, not like legitimately, but I'm not going seeking them out. You're not gonna if you don't if you see a needle on the street, you're not gonna go lay down on it. I don't like I don't like pick up use needles on the ground like everyone else I see, just constantly doing it's, that. It's a problem in our community. People just picking up used needles it happens a little too much. Yeah, they're like, oh look, they have perfectly good needle. It's like a side hobby for people here in Nashville. People elsewhere may not know this, yeah. But, yeah. but Nashvilleans have a bad habit of just. Picking up used needles and sticking them in their pocket. We don't have beaches to comb, so people get the metal detectors out and they find used needles. Yeah. And people are, you hear people in like coffee shops bragging about all the used needles they found. Oh, yeah. So she wants to develop a machine where you just, with a pinprick on your finger, put a little blood, stick it in a nanotainer. You put this into a machine called the Edison. It's like the size of like a yeah. box, like yeah. a suitcase. So similar to what you do for like a blood test of your sh for diabetes, right? Yeah, yeah. And this thing is supposed to give you a diagnostic of what's wrong with you, like most blood. Because most of the time, I got my blood tested not too long ago. It took like two weeks to get results back. With the Edison Stewart, it's supposed to happen within minutes. What? Imagine. Uh, Alex Gibney's known for throwing up a lot of... Uh, random visual clips to go along with like story narrations but he he kind of holds back pretty good in this movie it, it's he's kind of a bit more refined in that approach in this one so a lot of the random clips he shows which aren't too many like the edison comparison so we see a lot of early edison films blacksmithing and dancing and kissing and stuff like that those early few second films that edison put out back in the day but edison had a a saying fake it till you make it Elizabeth Holmes, she dropped out of Stanford at 19. We also talked to uh, other reporters. We talked to Roger Parloff, who was a reporter for Fortune magazine. And you got the feeling that Roger was particularly burned by Elizabeth. And then we talked to Ken Oletta from The New Yorker and a few more guys. But Roger Parloff talks about how Elizabeth would brag. Like, look, you talk to a lot of CEOs, but they didn't found their companies. I founded Theranos. I did this. Now, there's some issues regarding with the blood testing in that it's under a monopoly of two companies, Quest and LabCorp. They control basically the blood testing market. So that is an issue. It's basically two major companies that process your lab work in the United States. Yeah, here's something that occurs to me, though. It's like, I don't know that we would have ever heard of Theranos or Elizabeth Holmes if at a certain point, like say around this point at the beginning of the story, if she just sold her interest, her controlling interest, sold it to Google or Apple right, or any of these or Amazon, right? Yeah. And they would have taken it to market or not. Or saw that it wouldn't work. Yeah. Scientifically. She'd be rich. We'd never really know. We'd never hear about it. Because she comes from a privileged background, she already knows how to come from money. She already knows how to access money. It's she, her hubris. It's the hubris. It's the fame she wants. She wants to be Steve Jobs. And the fact that she even just completely apes Steve Jobs' style shows that there isn't actually original thought processes going on here. I wonder even, she says she has this idea from her uncle. 
but I I honestly think that maybe Elizabeth was in a in a bar around Silicon Valley in that in Palo Alto, California, probably at a bar and heard someone who works in the medical field go, man, wouldn't it be great if you could just read a blood test off a pin prick and just stick it in a machine? It wouldn't surprise me one bit if Elizabeth Holmes overheard that and was like, that's what I got to do. I just can't see her hanging out in a bar. Like, <laughs> yes, I'll take a Manhattan. Trying to drink a, a martini with her well, eyes. These... These buffalo wings are quite delightful. Yeah, let's stop and imagine uh, Elizabeth Holmes eating uh, chicken wings. <laughs> she's just staring dead stare straight ahead while she's like working around like a bone, chicken bone. <laughs> kind of turns you on a little bit, right? Hey, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> but Quest and LabCorp, who control a lot of the blood testing technology, they've actually been sued over the years for overcharging. And that is a problem in our medical industry is that like, there's that all the control is through companies, corporations and stuff. And it's been said. Right. Yeah. yeah. You maybe you shouldn't make uh, healthcare and industry America. Yeah. Maybe that's why you're getting so many problems with and, healthcare America. Mm, they just listen to us. America. <laughs> They said that Elizabeth Holmes was often at the office and she slept for maybe four hours a day. She was present on site at the company. And we talked to an Erica Chung who was hired by Elizabeth. She was a lab tech. She said that Elizabeth was hard to figure out, but was very excited to work for her. You get that a lot. People don't seem to understand Elizabeth. <laughs> like it's a language, right? That you kind of get it, but you're still a little lost. We're talking about inspiration porn here, and that's what she's good at, is making you get pumped up about her ideas. Have you ever met anyone that seems really interesting, and then once time passes, you realize that their one talent is seeming interesting? Yeah. And there's they're not actually interesting, but they're really good at appearing to be that way? And then you, you suddenly realize they're actually crazy, and everyone around you is, is like, yeah, that guy's crazy. <laughs> yeah she's crazy look people have a habit of acting like they all always knew what was going on when they find out what happened so everyone knows someone like that a phony basically i remember one of my friends had a roommate who went to a circus school and he okay had... back up yeah <laughs> circus school what do you do there? i don't know but he like went to study like and he like had set up a tightrope in the in the front yard of their up uh, their uh house they're running and he would like walk across it i don't remember now the details but i remember at some point people everyone thought he was like real interesting and but he would do like real sociopathic kind of moves and then he did something bad like what do you mean bad not like murder but you know so socially bad oh and then we just never talked about him again and he moved away we also meet other uh <laughs> engineers and lab and scientists that work for elizabeth holmes dave Filipides and douglas matey who described there was a, a one thing that Elizabeth didn't do very much was blink. She didn't blink. Her eyes are so fucking big, dude. She doesn't. It's true. She doesn't blink. She didn't blink. She must go through visine like crazy. Well, she started it as, as a Disney princess. I don't know if you knew that. We see Elizabeth Holmes in a Charlie Rose interview. Charlie Rose. Oh. I assume he, he showed her his penis <laughs> at the end of the interview. <laughs> and uh, they talk about. A lab in a box. Uh, they want a box to be able to read all this blood. Like a dog? 
get this. You know, you want to hear something trippy, yeah. bro? Go ahead. When I was watching this, I was eating some takeout Chinese food. I can picture this. And there's a part where they're talking about how Elizabeth and some investors went to go eat at a Chinese restaurant in Palo Alto. And they and it skimmed across a plate of General So's chicken. Guess what I, What the fuck I was eating? General So's chicken. Coincidence? You're, are you a, uh, some kind of investor at Silicon Valley? Is that what you're trying to tell I me? I think that meant that I was an investor, that I know what Silicon Valley life is like. Have you been moonlighting as a Silicon Valley investor? You see uh, my turtleneck, right? I do. See it's that like key- you have a reverse turtleneck. What if that keyboard in front of you, all the letters were in Greek? How would you feel about that? What? Let me give you, this is what kind of a visionary I am. Take that keyboard, flip it over. All right, I'm doing it. Flip it, set it flat. You flipped it over, set it flat. All right. Now type your name out. It doesn't work, does it? No. It takes a visionary to understand things like that. Oh. Now turn that keyboard back over. Now look at this. What am I doing? Oh my God. That's amazing. What am I doing? You, you're saluting me? <laughs> That's not a salute. You're obviously not a military man. <laughs> I'm giving him the finger, folks. That's just what a visionary does. Actually, now that I think about it, maybe Stuart just doesn't know what that means. I don't know what that means. <laughs> the finger? I, I assume it's a good thing. Uh, Elizabeth Holmes' senior quote, well, and this is what I'm talking about with fucking inspiration porn. Her senior quote was, dream, laugh, reach for the stars. That's amazing. Do you remember what your senior quote was? Creativity is just connecting things. And, uh, your time is limited, so don't waste it living someone else's life. They gave you a lot of space for senior quotes. And they asked for more because my quotes were so good. <laughs> oh, no. My favorite things in life don't cost any money. It's really clear that the most precious resource we all have is time. And then later, um, Steve Jobs stole all my quotes and repurposed them. That's what Steve Jobs does. You know, my, my senior quote was when I was a, a teenager, I was obsessed with that that jazz pop band, Morphine. You know what I'm talking about? Mark Sandman with that deep voice, then a tenor sax and a two-string slide bass and a drummer. Yeah. You know the band Morphine, right? So good. And they had that, that lyric, uh, I run good, but I'm hard to start. But my brakes are bad, so I'm hard to stop. I run good, but I'm hard to start. And my brakes are bad, so I'm hard to stop. That was my senior quote. <laughs> Which I thought was actually pretty good for a senior in high school. Not too shabby. Here's, here's my last quote. Remembering that you're going to die is the best way I know to avoid the trap of thinking you have something to lose. Who is Who are you quoting here? You are already naked. There is no reason not to follow your heart. Wow. Yeah, this is from Steve Jobs. Oh, God. But he stole it from me. Yeah, yeah. But I stole it from Steve Jobs. One of my favorite people interviewed in this movie, and we don't see her very much, but she's my favorite, Dr. Phyllis Gardner. She's a medical professor. When Elizabeth is in college and dropping out and throwing around her ideas for this blood testing machine, we hear about her talking to actual scientists and medical technicians, people who are extremely learned in this field. And Dr. Phyllis Gardner is uh, one of those people. And she's kind of the no-nonsense kind of person. The reason why it requires so much blood to test, to test these things requires like centrifuges. It requires specific bits of technology. If there was efficient ways to test blood, 
those blood testing corporations that have the monopoly on it that we mentioned would totally do this because it would be cheaper, more efficient. But Phyllis, she said that uh, Elizabeth talked to her about developing a nano patch because everything that Elizabeth talks about has to have the word nano in it. She wanted to incorporate microfluidics and nanotechnology into a patch where you could sample the blood and detect an infection. And then in that point, deliver antibiotics through it. Well, you can't do that. It's impossible, physically. Antibiotics are not potent. You cannot do that. There's a reason you have a big IV bag. Okay. So I said, I, Elizabeth, that's fun, but I don't think that's going to work. She's really obsessed with miniaturization. If we could do all this stuff with like a patch or a pinprick, of course we would just do it. But there's a reason why things are done the way they are. It might be inconvenient, but that's the best way to do it. And then she said, what if you had a miniature centrifuge? Elizabeth, that's fun, but I don't think that's going to work. about a fluorescence-based isothermal detector? Would that fix the, would that solve the problem? Elizabeth, that's fun, but I don't think that's going to work. Or what if we just like added saline to the blood? Okay, that's fun. But she's so good at convincing people to jump onto her investments and what she wants to do. That's Elizabeth's real talent is being convincing. She's the person that convinces you she's interesting. And then once you get to know her, you realize, wait, there's really nothing really here but a bunch of hubris. She convinces the Stanford science head to leave Stanford to work for Theranos when she starts the company up. And this is the part of a mo part of the movie that is explained the nature of investing. Now, billionaires, when they invest in things, often these investments don't work out. A lot of it is just like a crapshoot. There's no real firm science into investing. I think I read something about they did something where some, somebody got a, a cat to, they set something up to where a cat would randomly pick stocks and the random cat like did better than people who, <laughs> who like it's their career to be able to do this stuff. And I think a lot of success probably comes from like insider trading and shit like that. Martha Stewart. But and Elizabeth comes from a family of entrepreneurs and a lot of these investors, when they heard about what, who her dad was and who her granddad was, that was like enough for them. And I think they liked that she never blinked. Like there was just something about that. That is so calming and relaxing. You know, when I just wish people would stare at me and not blink. I didn't realize that's all you wanted. I just want big, giant eyes staring at me. Kind of like, uh, what's that guy in The Lord of the Rings with the one eye? Sauron. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> that, yeah, you're right. That eye never blinks. That's what's cool about that yeah. guy. <laughs> Elizabeth netted several investors. Uh, General Mattis, the mad dog Mattis. Henry Kissinger, that dude. Kiss. The kiss. One of the reporters was talking about how they were trying to talk to Kissinger about this investment. And I remember when I interviewed Henry Kissinger, I didn't trust him on medical stuff, not to mention on Cambodia, but, but, <laughs> but when I asked him about her, he described... Excellent business over there. Let me see whether I can put this on speakerphone and be easy for me. Okay. Yeah, but I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you put it on hold. And we meet a kid named Tyler Schultz. He's the grandson of one of the Theranos' major investors, the grandson of George Schultz. We'll meet Tyler again later because he plays a, an important role in the Theranos story. Tyler volunteered to intern. And that's how you know Tyler comes from money. 
because he volunteered for a non-paying big gig. Only people who have money can do that. I don't understand how internship works. Uh, yeah. You- I mean, I do understand it, but don't these people have to pay? Oh no, you bills? Don't have- no, not if you're an intern. The government doesn't give you any bills. <laughs> get Dottie to pay it. Yeah, get Aunt Dottie to pay it. Now Phyllis Gardner, remember she's the no nonsense medical professor she is not impressed with this shit because the science is not adding up she's netting all these big wig investors but the science just isn't there she didn't really want scientific input from what i could determine engineering a bit more because she was inventing an engineering device but not medicine she aligned herself with very powerful older men who seemed to succumb to a certain charm and those powerful men could influence people in the government, influence the Department of Defense. Elizabeth is selling inspiration porn, hopes and dreams, telling stories about her uncle over and over again. She's selling something that everyone wants, but it's just scientifically impossible at this point to pull this off. Maybe someday we'll have that technology. Technology is moving very rapidly. But right now, but I, you know what will be fucked up? is that if this kind of technology does develop years and years down the road, that somehow society will probably give Elizabeth Holmes bizarre credit for it just because she imagined it one day. I've stated it before is that people with money get more credit for just an idea than like, like everyone has ideas. But if you got gobs of money, people will kiss your ass just for having a thought. It's unfucking real to me. Yeah, like I keep giving credit to all those uh, George Lucas for all the spaceships we have now. <laughs> and robots. Has NASA thanked George Lucas? <laughs> I mean, you remember when the Roomba came out and everyone was like, well... Look what George Lucas George has wrought. George Lucas invented C-3PO. <laughs> it's like the same thing. Elizabeth has implies that there are military contracts with her shit in interviews, but there's no evidence that that exists. And, and I think the General Mattis connection is uh, where how she's pushing this implication. But I think if there was anything leading in that direction, it quickly fell apart. Now, when reporters would come around to Theranos, she was very guarded in how the operations worked. She wanted to just talk about her uncle, her dead uncle, over and over and over again. When uh, the New York Times reporters were finally shown the machine, the description of the operations of the machine were, quote, comically vague. And now we meet a guy named... Sonny Balwani. Sonny Balwani was a very successful tech entrepreneur. I think in the 90s, he started some big shit and sold it. But he and Elizabeth were in a relationship. All these uh, withered up CEOs, you know they wanted to hook up with Elizabeth. Well, Sonny is the one that pulled it off. But he was married. Was he? He was married oh. at the time. But they lived together in Palo Alto in an he apartment. He's only 20 years older than her. I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> but there's, there's a lot of details they left out. There, there actually was, based on some other things I've read and heard about Theranos. They didn't hit all the points, but a lot of things may not like be that sal- They left out a lot of the salacious stuff. Yeah. Which is probably for the best, I guess. Like, is Sonny Balwani circumcised or uncircumcised? Boxers or briefs? Come on, lay it out for us. Do we want to know that? Yeah. Is that what you want to know? Yeah. What underwear people are wearing? Yeah. You're really obsessed with underwear. Let me ask you a question. Boxers or briefs? Oh, now you're turning it on me. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, You look like a thong, man. I look 
like a thongman? Yeah, a thongman. A <laughs> professional thongman. Why am I a thong rider? Or maybe like what the sumo wrestlers were. I've, I've written a few thongs in my day. Remember that thong song? I wrote that. No shit. <laughs> thong, the thong, thong, thong. Would you sing my song, the thong song? Let me see that sarong. <laughs> what? Yeah, the sarong song. It's it's my parody. Uh. So what is a sarong? That's like a flowing fabric, right? Yeah, I like it though. Let me see that sarong. <laughs> Lady, please. Sarong, wrong, wrong, wrong. Right? I can hear the music cue now. Walgreens, the company Walgreens, there's one on every street here in Nashville, was all about this idea. They wanted this technology in their facilities. We get uh, a lot of employees talking about the operations in the lab. Science has to work for this to work. They were talking about how blood was spilling everywhere. You're handling a lot of fluid in the machine. Things got blood spilled all over them and got gunky. Some of the donors that we had were, you know, just people off the street who need money. And I imagine that, you know, there probably was a fair amount of hepatitis and, and things like that. And the device would freeze up in the middle of running a test, and then I would have to reach in there with my hand. There were needles within the device that could puncture skin. And there's reagents and blood and everything spilling all over the place blood that's just sitting there in the bottom of the vessel, evaporating into the air in the room. It was a mess inside. You know, it's, is it ironic that Walgreens' uh, slogan is Walgreens trusted since 1901? Or is this just a coincidence? That's a coincidence. Uh, they should probably update that. Right? Trusted since 2016. Trusted since after they uh, broke ranks with Theranos. <laughs> they should say trusted from two, ni 1901 to 2015 and then retrust it again from 2017 to present. Okay, I think I've stumbled across something. In 2015, Walgreens dropped their slogan, Be Well, right before they start working with Theranos. They're like, maybe we don't want people to be well. I think Walgreens' uh, slogan should be, We sell Sour Patch Kids real cheap. Cheap candy. Cheap-ass <laughs> cheap, candy, bro. Cheap candy. Get your insulin and candy all in one place. No. Now, multiple analysis required more tech. And people would be like, hey, can this box be bigger? Because you kind of process like a fucking centrifuge to run this blood. And Elizabeth would be like, if, if you can't follow in this vision, then maybe you need to find another place. And they're like, no, scientifically, this has to be a specific size. No, no, you need to follow my vision. My uncle died. I didn't get to say goodbye. Is this a true story? I don't know. She wasn't even really that close to their uncle, family members have said. There was one story where a pterodactyl, embellishment. where a pterodactyl like carried her uncle off. What? In one of her stories. And then a pterodactyl, he was walking on the beach, and a pterodactyl swooped down and carried my uncle off. It was from another great visionary's vision, Jurassic Park. And if we had been able so, to... <laughs> I don't have much ill will towards the inventor uh the visionary what's what's the guy who runs jurassic park's name michael Crichton. no the old man it's like just call him just dead. call him old man Clever girl. i don't fault old man jurassic park but i do fault the pterodactyl a little bit <laughs> if if we had been able to blood test my uncle we would have known that his blood would have been sweet to pterodactyls <laughs> and that he would have been drawing 
the the hunger of pterodactyls. And I never got to say goodbye. Did you like that part where she's standing in front of that famous Star Wars quote by Yodo? Yodo! What's that Yodo quote? Do or do not, there is no try. <laughs> that was like a quote she threw around of that fictional character, Yodo. Mm-hmm. Let's stop laughing and talking okay, about pterodactyls so, for a minute. Sorry. Because uh, this guy named Ian, Ian Gibbons, a respected... Um, scientist he's a blood work expert he worked at theranos and obviously i think he also had some uh issues regarding depression and he stayed on the company trying to make all this work the best he could but when he would basically challenge the status quo with the common sense required to do proper blood testing he would get a lot of pushback until eventually he was demoted and um, we're talking about a guy who would be required to understanding the processes and sciences of testing blood. You can't get any higher than Ian Gibbons. And this guy got pushed around because he couldn't straddle the inspiration porn uh, dialect that was going on at Theranos. He tried to make the science work. He gets demoted and he eventually took his own life after drinking heavily. And that's so unfortunate that this guy took his own life over this fucking bullshit. But all these people had to sign NDCs. He was probably completely ashamed of like the sham science that was going on at Theranos. He was probably worried that everything he had would be lost because she was litigious. She would threaten to sue everybody. Everybody if they tried to point out any truth to the fact that Theranos was a sham company that was not doing what they claimed it could do. And there was a lot of paranoia in the air over her tech being stolen. Why would anyone want to steal technology that doesn't fucking work? You might as well just say that these Edison boxes are tiny time machines for all it's fucking worth. Despite all these problems, Walgreens reps actually informed Walgreens that we don't have like the like exact science backing up all these claims. Walgreens was so desperate and so taken by Elizabeth's ability to sell this bullshit that they invested anyway. Now, Walgreens... I'm sure you're listening. I've got something that you can invest in, Walgreens. Heart disease. It's a big problem in the United States. Right. I found a way to cure it. I've got these little caplets, these little pills. You know what's in these pills? My shit. <laughs> you hear me, Walgreens? If you eat my shit and you sell my shit in your stores, it will cure heart disease. And you know what else it cures, Walgreens? Listen. And I didn't even know they would cure this. It's just like a, a happy side effect. It also cures erectile dysfunction, but not in me, ironically. It's just works for other people. So Walgreens, if you're listening, eat my shit and it will cure heart disease and erectile dysfunction. I await your checks. Thank you, Walgreens. Now, Walgreens started launching these Theranos applications at all these wellness centers. At first, they're without the Edisons. Meanwhile, Elizabeth is raking in more investors, a who's who of people who are ruining the country. How about these names, Stuart? Rupert Murdoch. A Patriots owner, Robert Kraft. Betsy DeVos, who's ruining education in the country. She hired Errol Morris to make a film about Theranos. And in this film, it pulled in Theranos customers that said inspirational shit. And a lot of footage we see in this Alex Gibney film are t- is taken from Errol Morris's 
commercial that he made for Theranos. All this information of the blood testing through Theranos was muddled. And so Theranos began giving out vouchers to give free blood tests to assuage people who were getting mislabeled results. People were being told that they had cancer when they didn't. And what's worse is that people who probably got no, got like uh, a free, free and clear passes who maybe had diseases. That's an even bigger problem because if you are worried about something and you're told by people who claim to be medical professionals that you're fine, you're going to be in a good mood and you're going to go forward with your life. And then what happens? You get sicker. And I mean, she tells this fucking bullshit story about not getting to say goodbye to her uncle, but in her hubris, she's given out false reads of blood tests and people's health could be compromised, she's ruining other people's chances to say goodbye to the people that they love. All this stuff is based on her own bullshit story of her wanting to do this because of her inspiration porn horseshit. Ah. Now, around this part of the film, Alex Gibney starts doing these shots where Elizabeth Holmes is face is fading into other positions of her face do you remember this and i think it's supposed to represent her her multiple aspects like her lying self and her inspiration porn self you know yeah and it was like creepy as shit i was like what is going on I thought she was turning into like a creature or something in my mind she is a creature take him down a peg Stewart. theranos hired a lawyer named david boys and he's like a gigantic lawyer and they paid him by giving him stock in Theranos, which at the time was worth a lot of money. And he was hired to cease and desist and silence former employees. One big name that he's worked for recently is Harvey Weinstein. So that lets you know this guy's a real class act, but very effective at his job, admittedly. A reporter goes in to be tested with the Theranos machines, but they don't prick his finger. They do the classic injections, old school. And he's like, why Why aren't I being pricked? And they're like, well, we got to do it. Theranos claims that it's because of doctor recommendations. That's kind of how they skirt this idea. Because they're having problems with inaccurate blood readings. But if you give blood tests the classic way, then you can give accurate blood readings. So Theranos, who once claimed to be this company with an advanced technology and a new way to test blood, is now just a company that just tests blood the old basic way. But also the point of all this, their technology was that it was supposed to be cheaper than the classic way to test blood. So I guess it means they're not charging more. So I guess at this point they're hemorrhaging money because their tech doesn't do what it say it does. So now they're just giving out regular blood tests at half the price and they're probably like losing money very fast at this point. Talked about like the nanotainers. They were talking about how these little nanotainers would just get lost and broken so easily. Just imagine something the size of a pencil eraser just like rolls under a cabinet and you're like, oh shit, uh, uh, Clarence's blood <laughs> is under the filing cabinet. And also results were being manipulated. They were changing the data because people in the lab were being told to do that because Elizabeth demanded, Elizabeth and Sonny demanded these specific readings. And so... To keep Elizabeth, the taskmaster, off their ass, they would flip the data around, which could not be less scientific. They were worried that if they bailed or told people that they'd get the shit suit out of them. Considering her lawyers, David Boyce, the odds are they could be broken. Even if they win the case, they could lose all their money just trying to fight it. But Theranos, despite all these problems, 
was ready to go at claim. Elizabeth is on this fucking celebrity tour, like, and she's talking to people like Joe Biden being name dropped by Barack Obama, Bill Clinton, Jared Leto. Leto. Leto loved her. But as all this was going on, she's doing this like glad hand tour. Shit is just falling apart. 30 Seconds uh, to Mars song about her, actually. Really? No. Oh. Elizabeth Holmes with the unblinking eyes. I, I assume that's what they sound like. Also, she's doing on this victory tour, and they she has not even gotten FDA approval yet. I wrote in my notes, Walgreens eat my shit. Oh, right. That's because it cures heart disease and erectile dysfunction. So Walgreens should eat my shit. I mean, I know it sounds shady, but Walgreens, can you afford not to invest in this amazing idea? Seriously. Wait, here's the, it's, it's a song called Walk on Water. Can you even see what you're fighting for? Bloodlust and a holy war. Listen up. Hear the patriots shout. Times are changing. In the end, the choice was clear. Take a shot in the face of fear. Fist up in the fiery light. Times are changing. Whoa, that's some deep shit, dude. Yeah. Did Jared Leto write that? Yeah. Elizabeth and Sonny are constantly deflecting inspectors. And Tyler brings, remember Tyler Schultz, the grandson of one of Theranos' biggest investors, brings data to his granddad showing that a lot of this is bullshit. But his granddad waves him off. Granddad's. Just another knock on granddad. All this movie is just like knocks on granddad. This is an anti-granddad movie. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the granddads in this movie don't don't come out clean. Not looking good. Joe Biden, granddad, looking kind of dumb, patting Elizabeth Holmes on the back. Henry Kissinger, not knowing how uh, a speakerphone works. Yeah, but uh, I, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> you put it on hold. Dumb granddad, come on. Yep, and then the whole time he was actually uh, uh, butt-dialing his niece. Well, we see Elizabeth Holmes in a picture with Amy Schumer. She's not a granddad. Yeah, and, she, and I don't think she was butt-dialing anyone at the time. No, nah, she's a little too hip for that. She always shuts her phone off when she puts it in her purse. So Tyler can't even get his granddad, his dumb, dumb granddad, to listen to him. So Tyler gets in contact with the Wall Street Journal reporter, John Carreyou. Tyler's dad asks if Tyler's been talking to the Wall Street Journal because word has been going around. And I think Elizabeth's lawyers have gotten word on it. Meanwhile, Erica Chung, a lab tech, she has left at this point and is also in contact with the Wall Street Journal. And she talks about how she's at her place at work and she sees a car sitting in the parking lot. Creepy as shit. Right. And what does she do? She walks outside. <laughs> like, well, let's go see what the creepy car is doing. And a man steps out of the car with a document from the lawyer David Boyce threatening to sue Erica if she speaks to any reporters or anything about her time at Theranos. There's and what does she not do? She she talks to the Wall Street Journal. But she does not call her granddad. She doesn't call her granddad, no. We don't meet her granddad. Good idea. That's what, That was the first positive move that a former ex-employee has done. Things worked out for her pretty well. Yeah, if you're in trouble, maybe don't call your granddad. You know, the, <laughs> that's, that's, that's the lesson I learned. Okay. Now, Wall Street Journal reporter John, John Carreyou is in talks, and he's talking to Theranos' legal team. And also a part of that team is Heather King, a former Clinton aide. And they're trying to get to the bottom of the going-ons of Theranos. And they're like, We're here today to do our part to help educate you on what I at least believe are some you know, false premises upon which the questions are based. They're very mm -hmm. serious questions. And mm -hmm. there's some very serious um, 
allegations in those questions. Um, but I also turn to David Boys. David attends all the board meetings. We wouldn't be here, spend all this time and effort, if the, uh, I mean, we've got a technology. So why don't we discuss it more freely? Yeah, be, because it's trade secret, that's why. And because you won't sign an NDA. Is there really new technology? Well, but listen, is it really new yes, technology? Is. This is something no one's ever been able to do before, okay? Theranos is doing it. Um, and unless it's magic, you know, it's a new technology. <laughs> Elizabeth Holmes is traveling around, basically acting like all of this is a done deal. And Carrie knows that accurate readings that are done of the blood tests that they acquire are not being done by Theranos machines. They're being done by like the Siemens machines. <laughs> I don't mean that as like a weird joke. There's like a company called Siemens. <laughs> that does sound like one of your weird jokes. It's not one of my weird jokes, it's Siemens. <laughs> Siemens. The Siemens <laughs> company. Siemens. <laughs> Tyler's grandfather convinces Tyler to sign a confidentiality agreement. And that will end all of this. And when Tyler goes to his granddad's house, guess who's there? Two Theranos employees. His own granddad sabotaged him. And his granddad tried to deflect a lot of that off of him. I wouldn't call him attorneys. The man was some sort of an animal, wild animal. And he assaulted my grandson. It's one of the dumbest things I've ever observed. But granddad, take a little responsibility for sabotaging your grandson. It's your fucking house. You don't have to let fucking Theranos lawyers in your goddamn house if you don't want to. Take some responsibility, granddad. Granddad's not looking good in this movie. Meanwhile, Tyler's becoming buried in legal debt because they know he's talking to the Wall Street Journal. Erica does become a whistleblower, but there's a minute victory that Elizabeth Holmes treats like a major victory. They actually get FDA approval, not for the Edison or the pinprick shit as a whole, but one thing that their blood tests can do is accurately predict herpes. That's like the one thing it can do consistently. So that's what they get FDA approval for. And they throw a big party where they're giving middle fingers to the but man. Doesn't have trouble uh, checking for syphilis? Yeah, syphilis is like a little bit too advanced for... <laughs> It's pretty much just herpes. What's that quote? Isn't there a quote from one of the former employees? It's like, there's a lot of people with syphilis in Arizona right now. <laughs> <laughs> like they that. did kind of make it a point to reference syphilis. Man, syphilis is bad if you don't treat that ahead of time. Be careful in Arizona. Yeah, be careful with that syphilis. Just be careful in Arizona. A lot of disease. They're so pumped about the fact that they developed herpes testing <laughs> technology. Oh, I remember that scene. That they throw a big party and uh, the ham that classic hammered song, You Can't Touch This Place. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Can't touch this. Watch this movie only for that scene, if anything. So what do you guys think about the FDA clerks? Wall Street Journal goes in to publish and it blows the lid off of Theranos. Things are looking bleak real quickly. Less than 10% of the tests that they do that are accurate are done on Edison machines. And I don't know if you know how science works, but you need shit to work uh, way more than 10% of the time for it to be considered like something that actually works. I don't know how science works. Though. A lot of people don't. Maybe 10% is good. And the readings that did work 
consistently were ran on Siemens <laughs> AG machines. Except for herpes. Ex- except for herpes. They- what if they just marketed that? Got herpes? Yeah. Walgreens. Elizabeth Holmes, the herpes lady. She could just double down on herpes. Yeah, she could have had a better phase too. I'm just saying. Should have just went all in on the herpes, that's all. You'd probably be all right. Now, this article comes out, and this is the hubris of the upper class. This is what I was talking about earlier, the gilded nature of society. This article has come out. Her stock is starting to go downhill. And Roger Parloff makes this note because he wrote an art, a glowing article about Elizabeth in Fortune magazine. But the thing is, Roger Parloff was also taken in with the hopes and dreams and inspiration porn that Elizabeth was throwing around, just like everyone else. And you really got the vibe that Parloff was particularly burned. And she made his whole article bullshit in the long run. She could tell he's really pissed off about it. And he's with like seething bitterness discussing how she's being honored by the Harvard Medical Board after this fucking article debunking all of her claims has come out. And he calls it, and probably the line of the film... I was just uh, stunned. I I was thinking in my mind, you know, the Wall Street Journal has just said that you're a fraud and that your company is a fraud and the company I put on the cover of our magazine is a fraud. And you're going to spend the whole day hiding out at this... uh, at this uh, honorary horseshit. Honorary horseshit. Honorary horseshit. I love that line. I, I think that's one you'll probably hear more in future episodes. Honorary horseshit. Honorary horseshit. Honorary horseshit. We also see Elizabeth Holmes on Mad Money. Who's the host of Mad Money? Jim Cramer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's defending her company. Perfect place to go. I notice in modern documentaries when we see like establishment things in our society that are going wrong, where investing is going wrong, Jim Cramer always fucking shows up. And we've already established that investing is kind of a crapshoot. This guy must be the biggest hack on planet If you want your crapshoot to go even worse, go and follow what this guy's talking about. If you replace Jim Cramer with a house cat. Yeah, it'll do better. It'd probably do better, yeah. Tyler's grandpa finally gets it. But Elizabeth is denied, 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 denied. Elizabeth is threatening to sue everyone. Ken Aletta from the New York Times says, She was a zealot. And a zealot is such a believer, true believer in what they're doing, that they're blind to the reality of what's happening. Not for a moment do I believe that she lies in bed at night and thinks, I was a swindler, I was a crook, I lied. This is what I was talking about, how kind of moral people who see immoral things sometimes assume that people who act immoral understand that they're being immoral. But no, people think they're the shitty people. All those people in Trump's administration, they think they're good people. They think they're helping the society. And that's way worse than knowingly doing bad. Terrible things have been done with the presumption of good intentions. And you got that inspirational shield around you that you feel like makes you immune to criticism. And I never got to say goodbye. And you can really fuck up people's lives with that kind of attitude. That's kind of what's really important about this documentary. I think when we get into the rating of it, I mean, we'll get into the weeds and how we think it worked as a film. But there is some very important things that 
you can really come through with this movie. It really touches base on a lot of issues that we are that we really need to overcome. A lot of problems that capitalism not only can't solve, but maybe does not help with at all. You need a little socialist patchwork to make a capitalist system run better. The Monopoly game at McDonald's. Is that what you're talking about? I throw out all my values when the Monopoly game comes to McDonald's. <laughs> then I'm just getting supersized fries all the time, getting all the big drinks. Yeah, that's like, socialism at work. I'm going to get that Big Mac. I'm going to get that yeah, boardwalk fry, on that Big Mac, fry. baby. I'm loving it. Small fry, small fry, small fry. Reap the benefits. We talk to a behavioral psychologist throughout this movie. Uh, he discusses the culture of lying in Silicon Valley. And uh, the truth is a lot of people, there's a lot of bullshit going on in this environment. Sometimes things work out and sometimes they don't. But the hubris of Elizabeth, a lot of it like fades out quietly. You know, investors invest in something, it doesn't work and then they bury it. That's most of the time what happens. These people in this big level of society, they actually fail all the time. But they just don't talk about these failures. But Elizabeth Holmes is representative of something that's a lot more common than we think that a lot of people actually realize in that Silicon Valley culture. And that was a, a, an important perspective to bring to it. I can't remember that uh, behavioral psychologist's name. Elizabeth tries to come back and unveils another the Edison again, but she calls it the mini lab. But at this point, all of her stock is worth less than shit. Theranos... She's owing money at this point. And the movie ends with her, with some text saying that she and Sonny are being charged with fraud. And Theranos as a company isn't yeah. even, pro the, the, the smoke and mirrors is gone. There's nothing there. It was dead before it was officially dead. And now it is officially Right now dead. she's in that awkward pre-indictment face. She's out there rolling. She's at like Burning Man, like doing the kind of stuff like Screlly was doing right before you went to jail. Right. She's going to be buying the next Wu-Tang album probably. <laughs> something, something cool like that. Made of uh, adamantium. Or she might start a cool Twitter campaign. Un unobtainium. Get on Twitter and talk smack and just troll hardcore. I'm hoping that she's going to be trolling hardcore. You know, she'll probably have to pay gobs of money, but like if she does go get locked up, it's going to be one of those prison resorts. I'm not into like this, any kind of revenge indictment. I don't think Elizabeth deserves to be like shanked in a bad prison for it. It's just the idea that she'll, when she does get locked up, it's probably going to be a place with a swimming pool and a tennis court. And just knowing that like kids without that privilege who get pulled over, or arrested with some drugs in their pocket are going to go serve time in some states uh, just for nonviolent offenses. Like that's the part that offends me. I don't know where she, I mean, she is, she's so deluded that she'll never in her mind think that she's lost. I've said it a thousand times. I think I say it on a shorty episode sometime this month. Ooh, apparently they have a hearing on April 22nd. Ooh, that's right around the corner. But that's what I'm talking about. But they're out on bail. But it's the era of the rich loser, man. And Elizabeth Holmes, rich loser. To rich losers. Cheers to rich losers. Like Steve Wozniak. Yeah, Wozniak. But he's kind of a winner. But he's rich. Well, we don't know who he is, so he probably is more of a winner. No, he's a loser. Okay, fine. And that's that film, The Inventor, by Alex Gibney. That's right. And we're not going to rate it at all. Oh, no, we're going to rate it. What? We are? Look, that's, what we, that's kind of what we do here. It's kind of how we put an end stamp on the show. Oh, all right. Look, you're going to give this one through five Hertzogs. 
I'm going to give this one through five Herzogs. Herzogs being the system in which we rate it, not the outdated archaic star rating system. We're going to put those Herzogs together for best out of 10 Herzogs. Like Stuart, celebrities? Stuart, what did you think of this film by Alex Gibney, the inventor out for blood in Silicon Valley? You know, I didn't think it was prime Gibney. I got to admit it. I got to say, Gibney's done better. That Scientology documentary? Going Clear? Yeah. Oh, he did that one. That's, That's right. Ooh. Ooh, salacious. That was good. All the cool stuff that that uh, taught me. But this didn't have enough of that. Uh, I think he, he he works better when he has something something just like really juicy. But this was pretty juicy. I thought this was pretty, was pretty juicy. juicy. He can go full juicy on it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> he like didn't let all more. his juice was, out on it. There was more. He just, I think he kind of uh, was holding back. And uh, so I'm going to say, let's go with about right down the middle with a... Like a three? Yeah, like a three. I think I maybe was more into this than you. I thought maybe this was a little juicier to me. Because like I said, this story touches base on like multiple facets of problems in our society. I definitely like going clear. Like that is a real juicy one. But I think this one actually connects more to uh, the illusions that we prop up in our American life. And like the layers upon layers of bullshit. And not only the bullshit, but the fact that how people are able to get away with it. I think Elizabeth Holmes does represent, you know, she 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 did have a hunger. She did have something that people wanted to live up to. And it all came crashing down because got to respect science. Imagine if she actually understood and respected science. She was literally someone who's throwing around dreams. And like I said... People will only listen to your dream if you got a lot of money. To everyone else, you just got to fucking grind it out and hope it works. But it actually might be better for you to grind it out in obscurity and come out on top. You can't skip those scientific steps, man. That's not how it works. And and it is refreshing to know that no matter how powerful you are, at the end of the day, you can't skip those steps. Even if you do get like, you know, get to meet Joe Biden or see Charlie Rose's penis or anything like that. Pretty cool though. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this a 3.75 above average, not quite a four, but pushing it. I thought this was pretty good. And I think this one uh, settled in with me pretty good. I I liked it. So you combine my 3.75 with your three, 6.75 out of 10 Herzogs. Park Avenue. Have you seen that one? No, I haven't. You'd like that one. I thought he actually showed some good restraint in terms of what he used to do in his films, though. I actually... You know what? I'm going to bump it up to four. What? I really think he did something very well here. I really do. So that that brings it up to seven Herzogs. So, yes. There you go. Now you're uh, meeting uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Me and Rotten Tomatoes are uh, aligned now. You've aligned yourself with the general public. Oh, wow. I guess it just works out that way. All right. That's what not asking your grandpa for advice can do. Fuck, fuck, grand. I'll call Stuart, not my grandpa. My grandpa's passed away anyway. Motorcycle accident. My grandpa will never die. We've kept him alive. How? Theranos technology, buddy. <laughs> Whoa. And he doesn't have herpes, I'll tell you that. Does he have herpes? He has herpes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> hope he doesn't have syphilis because it can't read syphilis. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Seven out of ten Herzogs for the inventor by Alex Gibney. All right, folks, keep on talking.
I grew up spending summers and the holidays with my uncle. I remember how much really vivid I loved him. I loved him so much. He was and fine. He was diagnosed one day with skin, skin cancer. cancer. One day, actually, it was uh, brain he had brain cancer. cancer. And, and too much. And and all of a sudden, it was gone. brain cancer. And I ever got to see my uncle. Uncle. My, my uncle. I ever got to see my uncle. So I was looking at it in the context of some of the renewable solutions that we are in the because, it, because of what we showed, thong the thong thong thong. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. You can't touch this. Oh.